0: Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. God of the journey, be our companion and guide along the way. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The unexpected journey is one of the great archetypal spiritual stories. And you've probably got a favorite from this genre from childhood. The Hobbit series from J.R.R. Tolkien, most of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, they all fit the bill. So too Madeline Lingle's A Wrinkle in Time. And when I was about my son's age, my favorite unexpected journey story was The Land Before Time. Littlefoot, the Apatosaurus, and friends make their way through a changing climate to safety in the Great Valley. And today's story of Abram, Sarai, and their household is one of the oldest versions of the unexpected journey story on our planet. Abram in his old age is called to leave the safety and security of his home. Abram hears God's call to venture out into the desert, the wilderness. Abram leaves what is known for what is unknown. Abram's faithful response to God is the beginning of our story of faith. Sure, the Bible begins before there. It starts with Adam and Eve. But but it's Abram who charts the paths of our response to God. Many of the ancient commentators, they call Abram the first monotheist. Our Islamic siblings regard Abram, Ibrahim, as the first Muslim, the first to submit to God. And we tend to treat God sometimes like more of an idea and less of a traveling companion. But that wasn't true for Abram. His is a story of a life shaped by a journey. He is so marked by this late in life journey that his very name changes, which is why it's so confusing to read this part of the story, because we all know his name is Abraham. But he gets that name along the road. Abram becomes Abraham because of the journey. Now the road wasn't exactly smooth, was it? In a day when your wealth was measured in part by your heritage of children, Abram and Sarai remain childless. At both services now, Julie and I have chuckled at the way that our translation has it in St. Paul's letter. Sarah's womb was dead. (laughs) But it's a big deal in those times. Though God promises Abram a homeland, he arrives to find that the promised land is currently occupied. So Abram journeys on, choosing to trust rather than to run back to what is familiar. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker that says, My ancestor was a wandering Aramaean? It actually is a line from Deuteronomy. Because just a few hundred years after Abraham's death, his heirs were wondering about the significance of his peripatetic life. And sometimes we have to be reminded our faith isn't a settled faith. Our God is less a God of destination than a fellow traveler and guide. Our faith is meant to be about the journey. Faith is an adventure. And too often, I think, we treat faith as a series of settled intellectual propositions. And just last Sunday, we celebrated the doctrine of the Trinity. Trinity Sunday, thankfully, is the only Sunday, a doctrine that gets its own Sunday, right? Right? The only feast day for a doctrine. But Julie, on that Sunday, I think rightly, encouraged us to practice the Trinity. Practice the dynamic love at the heart of God. God is not static, and God doesn't look for static people. God wants followers. So let me ask you this. Is your faith more a set of propositions, a set of rules, a mechanism of control, or is your faith an invitation on an adventure? I'm, I know this, it's a false dichotomy. Faith should be a little bit of both. Good faith has some rules that help prepare us for the journey. But I think too many in our world treat faith just like a system of ideas or a hard set of rules. Faith has been used to hold power over ourselves and over others. Let me give you an example. Howard Thurman, the legendary preacher, mystic, and mentor to many of the civil rights leaders, including Dr. King, he used to tell stories about his grandmother, Nancy Ambrose. Thurman counted his grandmother as the single most important influence on his faith, he had PhDs, but it was his grandmother. Thurman's grandmother had grown up enslaved. She lived through emancipation. And young Howard Thurman would often read the Bible aloud to his grandmother. But on her insistence, he never read the letters of St. Paul. Thurman wrote that it wasn't until he was in college and he was home visiting. He was a student at Morehouse. He would eventually graduate as valedictorian. But he was home visiting and he finally had the courage to ask his grandmother why she wouldn't let him read anything to her from Paul. And she responded... in the days of slavery, occasionally a white preacher would be sent to preach to the enslaved people. And she said, always the white minister used as his text something from Paul. At least three or four times a year, he used as a text, slaves, be obedient to your masters as unto Christ. Then he would go on to show how it was God's will that we were slaves and how if we were good and happy slaves, God would bless us. And I promised my maker, she said, that if I ever learned to read and freedom ever came, I would not read that part of the Bible. If anybody gets to skip Paul, it's Nancy Ambrose. And Christians have used our faith to justify all sorts of evil, from slavery to genocidal campaigns against Jewish people, the systemic oppression of women, violent abuse toward LGBTQ people. Often, often... Christians have used, especially St. Paul, in this way. And today, I want to suggest to you that in addition to being a distortion and an abuse of the biblical text, this sort of faith, it comes from a lack of imagination. When we fail to see our faith as a journey, when we fail to follow God as our guide, we can also fail to celebrate the value of our traveling companions. If you can stomach a little bit of Paul, listen again to what he says in today's reading from Romans. The promise to Abraham and his descendants that he would inherit the world didn't come through the law, but through the righteousness that comes from faith. Even for St. Paul, that old curmudgeon Faith isn't about strict, legalistic obedience. Faith isn't control. Faith is something else. I've said this to you before, but the opposite of faith, it isn't doubt. It's not. The opposite of faith is certainty. You can't have faith when you are certain about something. Faith has to include room for doubt, has to have an element of doubt, or it's not faith. And faith is a more dynamic word. It's not a static belief. Faith is not simply putting stock in an intellectual position. Faith is more akin to our word trust. Well, and that, there we have a bit of a problem, right? We need more trust in our society. Part of the crisis in our politics, in the economy, in the streets... It comes from an epidemic lack of trust. Now, to be fair, for many of us, trust has been lost. I know there are a number of people in this church who stand with one foot just a little bit out the door. Many people end up here because their trust was violated by another church institution. I know that trust can be lost. Trust can be lost, but trust also can be practiced. And especially for those of us who have been let down by an institution, sometimes we need a little practice. We have to choose to trust. We have to choose to lean into relationship. We have to choose to let down our guard at least a little. Now, not all trust has to be blind. You can and should have some safeguards. But if you spend your life waiting to be disappointed, you're likely to find all the disappointments you were expecting. If you give people the benefit of the doubt, if you choose to trust, if you choose a little faith, you might be surprised when folks show up. You might be surprised when the Spirit of God shows up too and invites you on a new adventure. In order to have faith, you have to have some doubt. You have to know that the road will be bumpy, you have to know that the odds are not forever in your favor. Faith is a decision to trust, a decision to go, a decision to venture something new. And you can feel this tension in the collection of short stories from Matthew's gospel, can't you? But about four gospels in a row, just little short ones, right? And Jesus calls a tax collector. He eats with sinners. He allows an unclean person to touch him. He approaches a dead body. Jesus goes just about everywhere you are not supposed to go. He calls followers he shouldn't call. Jesus violates rules and customs, and the people respond. And the religious establishment, of course, has some questions. But the people who are suffering, the people who have been excluded, those people are drawn into a relationship of healing trust. And then Jesus leads them on down the road. Like Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah, Jesus' story follows that archetype of the unexpected journey. No one would have anticipated a savior to rise up from Nazareth. No one would have waited for a traveling healer and preacher to say, blessed are the poor, blessed are the persecuted, blessed are those who mourn. No one would have bet that such a message would resonate so deeply. And others would get up and join in the adventure. There's a reason that the unexpected journey is an archetypal story. These stories speak deeply to our souls. And the question I have for you today, Christians, is this Is your faith an adventure? Do you trust God to lead you despite your failings, despite the odds? Is your faith a list of beliefs you are supposed to hold, or is it something more? Do those beliefs help you find a pattern through which you might look up at the night sky, chart the scars, and imagine the journey on which God might lead us next? Amen.